and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Priscilla Charles, as per usual, and uh, today we're delighted to have uh, a special guest from the Live Rue, Anne-Sophie Delafosse. Hi, Anne-Sophie. Hi, Anne. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and thank you for having me. We're delighted to have you on the show. Uh, so uh, for those of you who wouldn't know Anne-Sophie yet, Anne-Sophie is Localization Manager at Deliveroo that I'm sure many of you know. Uh, and so you're very welcome, Anne-Sophie. And without further ado, let's move on and get on to the show. Uh, I'm sure our audience is dying to know uh, a little bit about you and your recent achievements, because I believe congratulations are in order. You recently, uh, you've become um, uh, in 2020 Localization Process Innovator of the Year for the USA uh, at the ninth PIC event, which took place recently on the 28th of January 2021 at World Wild 43, and I'm sure um, uh, many of you know. And I understand that you started this project two years ago already. And I'm going to quote you here, your innovation, uh, well, I'm going to quote you um, what I understood from uh, you winning your innovation, make localization part of the experience and, and explain a dramatic shift to make software localization a key part of the content flow. Uh, designers in Figma create software and don't need to exit uh, their design environment to, to manage translation UI. And this has brought localization to the center of their experience. So I'd, I'm quite curious about the, the project itself and the, the purpose. Can you tell us a little bit about it maybe? Oh, so this, so yeah, as you said, it started about two years ago when when I started, and and I had a background in like agencies where you work on different files, different content, different clients, and if you're thinking pure translation and you have cat tools for everything, you know, and I'm not going to quote any now, but you take a PowerPoint or InDesign, you put it in the tool, it creates a bilingual document and you export and it's pretty and back in the InDesign, right? And you just have to tidy up. So I was quite surprised that we didn't have that for design localization or like app design localization. So Figma or, or Sketch. Um, I think two years ago, they started creating things for Sketch, but Figma was still, um, still kind of a startup. Uh, design tool um, and obviously it grew so much since then um, so that's that's where the idea came from was like why why can't I do the same thing and also that was one of the first point and the second point was I was just tired of just being the last one to know uh, you know when you're launching a, a product in, in different market and then you have the UI and then people come to you with or engineers mainly oh we need this in, in all languages because we're launching in three days and like what uh why can i have some context you know and, and so so it was it was mainly like to change this and to stop behaving like an agency that people would come in at the very last minute but more becoming a, a partner um so that's where it started and that's where we we decided to build it um well we didn't really build it so we I had a concept, obviously I'm not an engineer, I'm not a tech person. So I had to go in and talk to the engineers, be like, would that work? Um, and we started the process in a hack day and realized it was possible to kind of, so that the concept was to create the keys um, or the string IDs, depending on how you call them in different companies uh, that are currently created by the engineers, so like the piece of code. So push that directly from Figma with the content and the screenshots, because we need the screenshots for, uh, for context for the linguists. And we because we're launching everything in, in all languages at the same time, we can't rely on, on the live product. So we can't really use in context, um, in context review, in context translation. So we need the screenshots. So 
we managed to pull a just the key and the string. So it was possible. So my, the hack day was like, okay, proof of concept, it's working. Now, can I build it with my engineers in-house? Can we do something ourselves? And as many localization experts know, it can be quite difficult um, sometimes to get buying in localization when engineers is like gold in most companies, you, you know, it's, you have to fight for it. Um, so I thought, you know what, let's talk to our partner Phrase. So we're using our localization software called Phrase. And I know they were designing something similar with Sketch. So they started talking about it. It's like, just don't just sketch. Everybody else is doing it. Do Figma. No one else has it. Uh, and we gave them the, the design. We gave them the code that we started building at Hack Day. And it was like, here's everything you need or that everything we built. Can we partner together to do it? And can you make sure that it works for us if you decide to build it for all of your clients? Um, so it took a few months of like negotiation talks with them to fully understand like, do they create it only for us? Do they create it for all of their um, all of their clients and all of this? And in the end, they decided to build it for everyone, um, <laughs> which was pretty pretty cool because the way it's designed is literally what we wanted them to do uh, or what we had imagined. And now it's like, okay, how can we fine tune it? So. Um, so yeah, it's pretty exciting. So what it does is, yeah, you create the keys on Figma uh, in a more or less automated way. Uh, then you just push everything onto onto frame, and then we get to start working on it. And also because now we we don't have to wait for engineers. We work at the same time as they do, and we work super closely with them now. Uh, so we work super closely with the designers, with the engineers, all on Figma and on Phrase, and then we pull back. So when you can pull back the translation, then it gives a visibility to the designers as well of how the how it will look like. So it, I think it has also changed the mentality of product designers a little bit to, to think globally and to think mm -hmm. that their design need to work in all different languages, but also in different markets, because when they pull back, then they're like, oh, we also need to change the map, or oh, the currency is different, oh, it's longer, or oh, we need to change the icons, so, you know, it kind of helps to, to bring awareness. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, a little bit on this project and uh, it's fantastic news again. Congratulations again. Thank you. So um, I want to move to a slightly different topic now. Um, mm -hmm. You've attended uh, the Thing Global Forum, uh, this community that you know, founded by um, Simon Hodgkins in 2016 and uh, you've attended as a forum executive. So We've been to a few events, so we just hosted the Thinkable Forum Summit Week, and which was a fantastic success. Now, I'd like to know, what do you look forward to in this type of unique events, which has obviously, um, you know, specific format of networking and, uh, and you know, uh, discussions of opportunities and challenges? Tell me about your perspective. Yeah, so I went, I went a few... Um before lockdown so it's slightly slightly different then uh, and what I liked is is the networking part as well because uh, localization can be um, especially because we only we only two now in our team so it can be quite uh, quite lonely I would say you know and, and people might not necessarily have the same issues that you do in the in your company so it's yeah. I, li I like meeting other people in the same industry and bouncing ideas with them and feeling a bit less lonely and feeling like, okay, they also have similar challenges uh, that we, we face. And so it's kind of reassuring at the same time and, and you get ideas from each other on how to fix problems. That's, that's one thing I really, really enjoy. And then 
to the few that I went to, there was always like a, a discussion in the morning, like a boardroom session where really like this is, that's what also was part of the networking, right? Where you bounce ideas with each other. And then there's the second part, which is more conference led in the afternoon. Um, and I've learned so much in those conferences as well and just brought ideas to my mind, like, okay, maybe I can't do this exactly, but oh, this could apply in my, in this situation mm -hmm. also. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's mainly the sharing that I really enjoy in those, those kind of uh, forums. Fantastic. Well, that's uh, exactly what we're trying to achieve, I suppose. So we really look forward to uh, being able to host you in person again. Uh, probably maybe not this year, maybe next year. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, exactly. But uh, and now I'd like to discuss uh, your journey at Deliveroo. Yeah. up until uh well should i say professional journey up until you joined Deliveroo so i was looking i was doing a bit of research looking at professional and educational background and i saw that you first studied english and english literature um so was it that you were always interested in languages in the first place yeah i mean my background is not that common i think because uh, I've, I've changed quite a bit in, in different different bits but the the common thread has always been languages mm -hmm. um so yeah my, my main subject was english and english literature but then you add a few few different languages to to it um yeah i've always loved it simple answer i've always loved it and one thing i've, I've loved if i'm not really good at speaking other languages to be honest but i can understand some some better like really <laughs> uh no um, trust me when i i was with the italian team this morning and i had to read something in italian it's like oh god this is long long gone um but i like thinking of languages as as math you know you just add add bits and pieces and you have to understand the formula of how they work um that's what I love the most, is like understanding how the languages work. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I suppose, yeah, the root of some of the languages are similar as well, yes. Yeah. Some Latin languages, uh, for example. So, and now um, you then become a language teacher. So how yes. did you end up, like, so you said you've always been interested in languages. How did you end up in localization? Because I myself studied languages and I've always loved English as well, but somehow I made my uh, my career all the way up to marketing, for instance. So what, what was the trigger for you? Did you hesitate at some point and you knew it was for you? Um, well, I've always been a little bit in between um, teaching and translation. So, cause that, that was also part of, of the degree, right? It's kind of like the two main routes that they yeah. tell you that you can take at the end of that diploma. Um, and I went into teaching honestly just because of one experience that was a language teaching assistant at the time just to practice my English in a school and just life just happened I was like oh do you want to extend for another year yeah sure and then another opportunity came up for another school that wanted to to work with me I was like okay sure I'll come here and then that's it um but then then I realized that it was not for me, like teaching kids was not for me, I have to say, like, I love the language, um, but I'm, I'm really bad. I'm not a good teacher, definitely not for kids, definitely not for kids. For adults, I was better, uh, but definitely not for kids. So I'm sorry for all the kids that have, <laughs> I have taught out there. Uh, I do apologize for this. Um, and then and then that's when I realized, okay, what can I do? Um, and then looking at a looking at LinkedIn, looking at the jobs, oh, localization, my background is in localization. Um, I wanted to become a translator again, because I had some experience in that. Okay, maybe I can get into the agency and see exactly how it works before putting, going back to university, doing another master and, you know, fully embrace myself to the life of a translator. 
and I just love being a project manager. I just loved it. It was it was fun. It was interesting because there were so many moving parts, and I'm an organized person. And then you work with different cultures, different at well, the time, different clients, and and then yeah, that's that's how I came to it. And then delivery was was again uh, another experience. Yeah, yeah. Came along. Yes. So moving on to your current role at Delivery, where um, you are the localization manager for those of you who are joining us now, and you started the localization um, department at the organization. Actually, yeah, uh, impressive. So tell us a bit about the organization and maybe about your current role there. So I understand that you work with product designers, as you mentioned, and then also the de developers, and you localize the products in nine different languages. Yeah, exactly. So it was. It's it was a great opportunity and I will always remember when when I saw the job and I was like oh you can start from them from scratch because I had done something similar in a previous organization where I was like working on the workflows and working on the strategy and I know it's something I really like um so I was like oh that that looks amazing um but one thing to note is that actually Deliveroo had already entered uh, a few markets before I arrived. So when I arrived, I've only launched one market actually mm -hmm. since then. Um, and, and that's why I was like, it was almost like a blank, well, it was not really a blank canvas, but it was bits and pieces and like, okay, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is not great, this needs to be improved. So it was kind of like, okay, talking to everyone. So yeah, I'm working with the designers, the content team, um, developers, marketing team, comms team, legal team, you work with literally everyone, right? So I took the first three months to really listen to what was good and what was bad about the workflow first. Yeah. And, like, and then looking at the quick wins. So the first year was really like putting things in place that would that would be helpful because they had no one before. So there was quite you know quite a lot of uh, it was a bit messy, let's put it this way. <laughs> it was a bit messy. So trying to organize it all. And and once that was kind of organized, like okay. What can we improve? Mm -hmm. uh, let's actually crack on, and that's what the the Figma project, for example, took two years because we needed to we needed to first do the the base to be able to do something better. So we're now at a stage where operation wise we can do better, we can improve, we have a good base, um, and we're growing the team. So uh, so far, I've hired a, a language specialist, so we're bringing the freelance because we're working. Uh, with freelancers so we're bringing that knowledge in-house uh potentially hiring more in the uh, next couple of months i hope so yeah we, we're looking at growing our team as well um because we we've pr proven to the business that it's, it's needed to have experts in this field it's not because you speak a language that you can localize a product yeah no of course yeah uh, that sounds very exciting a lot of moving parts i can imagine uh, which explain obviously the need for a bigger team but that's yeah. That's totally understandable. And so you also created references and style guides in different languages. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, I mean, I created this might be too strong. Uh, I supported the, the I, or I led the project, um, but I worked with the freelancers and with the different people in our different market to make sure that it was okay. Because we didn't have any reference when I started, so it was quite difficult when we were bringing new freelancers in house or freelancers in to be like, okay, do you need to localize this way or autonomous voice is this? It's like we had the, the global one in English, but we didn't really have certain things for each language that are quite particular because we have we have a voice, we have a delivery of voice, but our tone might be different per market. 
So it's like, how do we keep those references? So I worked with the different uh, freelancers on the different marketplace that we have, because obviously we have writer, restaurant and consumer, and our tone is again different. So imagine three, three kind of customers in a way and um, different languages and different market because we use uh, Dutch in Belgium and in the Netherlands and we use it differently or French in France and, and Belgium as well and yeah, it's completely different um, you know our voice is different in those two markets so it's like okay how do we make sure of those difference so that, that was the main reason because you have people coming and going um, and sometimes they take that knowledge with them so it was to avoid this as well it's like okay how can we have it somewhere yeah no that makes sense that's uh, very clever um you need to be able to retain uh, and uh, and supposed to be educate and help people for if you if you start i suppose uh, another you could like i say you broaden and you open to a new market for instance so let's let's discuss your role as a, as an educator i want to say you you describe you describe your role as one of a guide and educator for the business and on the importance of localization obviously you know having been involved so much from the start and you commented images tell a story and they can tell a different story in different markets you need to make them resonate with your users can you expand a little bit about this um yes i think i know where this comes from um so it's because if you think of the iconography or food images, because food is, is part of the culture, right? It is such a big part of, of a country in this culture. Mm -hmm. And one example would be a pizza. You have the American style or Chicago style pizza. Never put that on a header email in Italy. That's not <laughs> gonna go down well, right? So it's how important the localization of your images have to be for each market uh, a burger with you know a big burger with maybe double cheese or bacon mm -hmm. you can't have that in the way you Kuwait um, so you need to pay attention to all of this um, iconography is super important as well um, so for example we uh, we have our plus product and we have if you're a family or if you're ordering for one person or if you're ordering for a group we have different icons and those icons will change as well per market or almost per regions because yeah. you want the people to feel like they can really exactly that they can see themselves in the product so it's those kind of things that you have to also pay attention to yeah no that that's very interesting i suppose um uh, and you can't sell the same way uh, the way you sell to a customer in Norway that you would sell in and uh, in Uruguay, for instance. So it is very, exactly. very important. Which the whole point of localization, really, which is which highlights the importance of having localization department. Uh, yeah, you have experts understanding the culture and the language. Um, yeah. To, uh, to different to other departments, and uh, sorry, you going to say something? No, no, no. I think you're completely right, and that's where as part of educating people think of localization as translation and the only thing yeah. is a question of strings they don't necessarily think it's a question of sort of images icons flow like we're reviewing for example our address flow at the moment and it needs to be different yeah. area. so it, it's more than just the words and i think people tend to get this if they're not within localization yeah no it's, that's uh, that's very true and um, now i want to move to a slightly different topic because i understand you recently joined a panel of global localization experts uh, for a Vistatech uh, digital first strategy and you offered excellent tips uh, on integrating localization uh, into the entire building process that we discussed what are these tips for anyone to be interested tell us 
Um, so the first one was yeah to, to bring the localization within uh, the workflow. So don't add a step. That's what I meant. It's you need to to be able to become a partner, to be able to not be seen as a thought after. You need to come in where those people are. You make it easy for them. Make it yeah, make it simple. Don't tell them that they have to do something else. Come within their tool, come within Jira, come within Figma or Sketch, mm -hmm. integrate within their tools and what they do. Um, this is what I meant. So that's the first one. The second one is to find allies um, because as I said, it can be quite lonely. And, and sometimes, or most of the time, localization comes after hiring engineers, after hiring designers. And it's like, oh, we launched it in other markets or it's becoming too much for either the engineers or the product team to actually handle localization that you come in. Um, so finding some allies to actually support you with operational changes will help you because um, otherwise you're like in a little corner all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's never good. You can't really change without having the support of other teams that see also the benefits of having a, a streamlined process altogether. Absolutely. Yeah, it's such a big, uh, big process for sure. Yeah, it makes sense. OK, well, thank you so much for these tips. Uh, very useful. And now before we end this interview already, um, tell me what's on your radar? What's uh, what's on the horizon for you in 2021? Oh, in terms of localization, well, hopefully hiring, hiring people. Um, and so so I can concentrate on that plugin and um, streamlining it with because right now we're using it only with a few teams. Uh, because it's just that's the way it is and we've tested it uh, and it works it's now bringing it so that to this entire workflow uh, to every team so that's that's the big step for me okay sounds, sounds like sounds like uh, you've got a, a busy schedule right yes <laughs> <laughs> and anything else you'd like to share with our audience uh, today I think that's it really um, sorry I can't think of anything right now um, common I mean maybe localization is actually fun I come and work in localization it's it's actually very interesting because you it's never boring I would say localization is never boring there's languages it's culture it's tech it's design it's everything so yeah full on <laughs> full on yeah it's not just sure. a dictionary you know and, and looking yeah. at an app and like how does it work or machine translation and all of this no, it's, it's a lot more than this <laughs> thank you so much Anne sophie pleasure. Uh, well, it was a pleasure to have you uh, today on the show and uh, and uh, i'm sure audience uh, is really looking forward to uh, us releasing this episode when you see or listen to uh, to this episode so thank you again thank you Thanks, Anne-Sophie. And so it is uh, the end uh, already today, uh, the end of today's show with Anne-Sophie Delafos, who I will um, uh, remind you is the localization manager at Deliveroo. So please make sure to tune in again or listen and watch to our next Vista Talk show, where we'll be discussing more interesting topics with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you. <laughs>